0: The scripture reading this evening is Romans eight twenty six to 30. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Taylor, Vivian, thanks so much for the music. Oh, and Calloway too. That was fun. we got to get her back. That's really cool. It's just fun to see her singing alongside Mama. That's really cool. All right, Uh, we we are in our third installment uh, of our marriage series, and I'm not going to do the qualifications of why this matters for if you're not married and if you're divorced or if you're remarried, whatever it is, um, that's our first segment. So I'm not going to do those qualifications um, in that intro, but I think it would be really helpful for your headspace if this is the first time that you're hearing it tonight. Tonight, uh, we want to call it locating your marriage. And what we want to do is um, look at Romans 8, especially verses 26 to 30, and there are thousands upon thousands of applications that we have for Romans 8, 26 to 30, but what we're going to do is just overlay it on top of marriage okay, and relationships, so that's where we are. But let's look at some funny tweets. Um, All right, Uh, marriage tweets, of course. So um, here's one. Sorry we're late, but my husband's keys were exactly where I said they were. Um, Taylor, you laughed a little too loud. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm playing around. All right, let's look at another one. Uh, Be right back. My wife is in the kitchen, and I need to go stand in front of the cabinet. She's about to open. Uh, (laughs) Does this relate to anyone? Um, All right, uh, let's... uh, Quote, you don't load the dishwasher right, I said to my wife, just before it permanently became my job. (laughs) Groans. Yes, yes. All right, let's have another one. All right, it's kind of like an exchange, a text exchange here. Um, I'm packing games for this weekend. Do you know where Clue is, the game Clue? I'm going to guess in the study. No, I just looked in the study. I'm going to guess in the hall. The hall closet, I'll look. No, not there. I'm going to guess in the conservatory. Are you doing the rooms? Question mark, question mark. It's pretty funny. All right, next one. I told my son he needed to clean his room and he said, maybe later, I have a headache. I told him that was no excuse and heard my husband snort and laugh from three rooms away. I don't get it. Next, next tweet. Every Tuesday, my husband is surprised to learn that our son's 6.30 Tuesday soccer practice occurs every Tuesday at 6.30. And one for football, New Yorker, um, if I had ever wanted to know how football worked, I assure you that I'd have figured it out by now. All right, so says everybody here not into football. Uh, this is where we're going tonight when we look at Romans 8, um, those, those being the backdrop of familiar marital conversations, familiar marital um, relationships. This is what we're going to do, is we're going to look at this, is we're going to look at a brokenness within and a brokenness without. And actually tonight, uh, we're not talking about a brokenness within. Uh, I'm going to assume that, and that's other talks, other sermons, but um, really emphasizing a brokenness without. And then um, we want to talk about how we only really have one enemy, and then uh, three, a Jesus preview. It said in our text tonight uh, that Jesus was the firstborn of many brothers. So a preview of many things. It's kind of a shorthand. So let's look at that, uh, a brokenness within and a brokenness without. There, there, there's, a, there's a subtitle here, and it would be... Um, There are many more variables at play than your spouse in your marriage. And that's gonna relate to what I've entitled the sermon or talk, uh, locating your marriage. There's this reality of Romans eight, and this is Paul, and there's this frame, there's this backdrop for that very familiar phrase that you may have said too quickly at one point in your life, and I have too, is that all things work together for good for those who love him. And there's a backdrop. So I purposely didn't really put this in large print. So if you can't see it, it's okay. Just look for yellow spots, okay? Um, but this is what we get from Romans 8, 18 through 25. This is before the passage we're reading about God's spirit and all things working together. So, words that pop out, suffering, longing. You're not longing for something if everything's great. You're longing for something if everything's not great. Futility, subjected to, a word like bondage or trappedness, corruption, all creation, groaning, inward groans. You know, those private times, where you're just like this, this, stinks. And I can't, I don't even have the words. I'm just like, Ugh. Ugh. Inward groaning, that fed upness with everything being messed up, every category of life. What are some other categories? Now we're going to skip ahead of the passage and we get this in verse 35 of Romans. This is, this is Paul's categories. Uh, he said, you know, there's tribulation, and I, I would say tribulation is not necessarily personal trial. It's a widespread problems affecting every level of life—communal, city, region, global. And tribulation is a, it's problems bigger than you and me. He has another category, distress. Um, if if you lose your wallet, you're stressed. If you lose your kid, you're distressed. Right? It's stress with a dis. That's what he means here. It's like, oh, this is something that is going to go to the core of who you think you are. Persecution. I don't think in SoCal, um, I've suffered persecution of losing my house or my family because I follow Jesus. But you know what I have experienced, and maybe you have, is I've been in situations where just saying that I'm a Jesus follower and then (laughs) amplify it a little bit, yes, I'm a pastor. Um, I feel stupid. Stupid to the wisdom of the day. There's a persecution there. You lose reputation and estimation from your peers in a community because you follow Jesus. That's a form of persecution. It's not the only kind. Famine, just the resources to live. Because we're whole people, did you know that you can have emotional famines? Uh, nakedness, vulnerability with no no sheep, no guard, no protection. Danger, unpredictable pitfalls. It could come from anywhere. This is not limited to moms, but I, with Melissa, I call it mom brain. Like, it's, it's, it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and um, anything could be a threat to your family. Like meteors. I, I mean, I don't, you know, just anything. I worry about that stuff, too. Um, but in different ways. Or sword, potential death, the ending of all things. And then Romans 8 gets, starts to get brighter, and i won't cover that right now but it seems like it's getting brighter for no apparent reason like yes this is the context this is a backdrop for what we live in because all the groaning hasn't been mitigated or abated or stopped or like the backdrop to your life the backdrop to my life is that the groaning hasn't stopped meet the new boss Same as the old boss. Except this is what I want you to see in Romans 8, 26 to 30, is that we see the Spirit of God interceding. And I love the juxtaposition is, uh, you know those inward groans? You Our inward groans at the messed up of things We get groans from the Spirit in petitioning God the Father to work on our behalf. It's a beautiful juxtaposition we see in the text. So we know that all of these horrible things, the backdrop of our lives, that's where we get that little phrase, all things are going to work together for good in a way where you would look at it and you say, that is right. And it's working towards that singular, exclusive good. Um, that's for those who love him and are in him. Now, do all of those things include your marriage? So this backdrop of difficulty in your marriage, does that include all things will work for your good. Yes, it includes that. But that's not really my point tonight in this one. It means that your marriage and my marriage is inside of that story of all of the groaning. It's not outside of it. It's inside of it. Um, You're not in a, your marriage is not a vacuum. It's not operating in a vacuum from all of the backdrop of suffering and brokenness. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise, but it is, because I think um, we've wanted to ascribe so much personal responsibility and control over our own lives. But it's a surprise when the marriage isn't what we thought it should be. Now, I talked about um, the J-curve last week. And just a reminder is, even in just one category, like your marriage, um, you won't experience this J-curve one time in a marriage. Again, I'm not going to explain this. That was last week. But you will experience this hundreds of times in a marriage. And not only will you do that, is that you will be in different spots. Like, you'll be like, hey, I'm experiencing something new and great at work. But right now, I'm experiencing death in my relationship with a, a, a son or a daughter and my marriage, it looks like it's just coming out and it's being res- like, so you could have multiple, J, hundreds of J-curves happening on multiple different areas of your life and that's, that's probably reality now there is a time when a lot of those things convene at the trough convene at death and you know what we call that? Intense pain and suffering when they all converge and you're in that trough of the J curve. Um, When we talk about those other variables that Paul is talking about in Romans eight, that is what I'm gonna call sin without us. It's not attached to you, but it's sin on the outside of us. And what I want us to kind of see when we're locating our marriage is that the sin happening outside of us has real impact on our marriage and on ourselves. Um, now, I, I do think a lot of us are conditioned to say this, like, let's not have a lot of excuses, let's have no entitlement, let's take personal responsibility. And um, I, I do admit that there is a person and a personality that blames everything on someone else. There is that personality. Um, that person exists. I've met a lot. I've met a lot of them. They go from job to job to job, friendship to friendship to friendship, um, relationship to relationship, experience to experience, and lo and behold, when you talk to them, everybody else is mean to them. Okay, uh, but not them. They didn't contribute anything. They're blameless and they're justified and pretty soon it happens with churches too pretty soon if you talk to them they have been to 10 horrible very meany churches and they'll come and they might even come here this is this is a true story and they'll be like finally this is the this is the right place i found it um <laughs> and in conversation if ultimately i get there um i say hey um Let's talk about you. Let's, talk, let's not talk about the 10 mini churches. Let's have a talk about you. And they will go away in a huff and add our church as number 11. That's not a joke, true stories. Um, so that personality is real. Other people are the problem. I've been doing great. Um, But they're needed because they actually own a half piece of the puzzle that is right. Other people are mean. And there is sin without that presses on us. So they have half the puzzle right. There's another personality. I am probably more this person. I'll just admit this. Is that... um, uh, I think all the sin starts with me, and that's, how narcissistic is that? Like, I am the center of all the problems, Um, but there's that personality, and I'm this, it's like, yep, I'll start with me. I'm probably, uh, and what it does is it just builds more shame. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's me. It probably is me. Now, part of that is true. I'm, that's half of the other piece of the puzzle is that I do contribute. But, oh, Tim, you don't contribute that much, right? There are other variables that are happening. And so what we want to talk about is that sin that presses in from without, that Paul is talking about, that backdrop of really horrible, awful things. Um, this, this phrase that I got from Esther Lee, she's in our church, is um, the disaster without exposes the disaster within. Um, I I was in these calls this past week, and uh, a guy was um, talking about a tube of toothpaste, uh, or what looked like a tooth, and he goes, "Um, when you squeeze it, when you press it, um, what comes out of the tube? And and all of us, to a person, were like, toothpaste. And he goes, "Uh, true, but he says, what comes out is whatever is inside the tube. And this is what I want, to think, I want you all to think of myself to think about is this sin that's pressing in on us only squeezes out what's, what's going on inside. Um, now, uh, we don't assign 100% blame outside of us or inside of us. We're just recognizing that what is happening in our marriage isn't just our spouse. There are factors pressing in on us like toothpaste tubes, and it's squeezing out difficult things. And we can recognize that. Um, Did you know that just, uh, just not popular psychology, studied psychology backs this up, is that the range for talking about your childhood issues doesn't really start to crop up until after you're 35. And so a lot of us are in a place where like, we had deep things from our childhood that they are now only coming to life. Why? Because life has pressed on us, and it's coming out in a way that we, what, we hadn't dealt with, we hadn't understood fully, and we're just working through. That's that's a pressing from without. Um, Think about this. A, a, A lot of us are in a zone where now we are leading teams in our work. And you know what that comes with? It comes with added stress, real stress, real responsibilities, real consequences for what the people you work with in the fa- their families. And the, and, like, you have to recognize that you have more stress on your life from without than ever before in life. It's pushing the tube. Paul would, this is the backdrop that Paul's giving us in Romans 8. Um, did you know that our children are. Uh, their needs, as they're growing older, are intensifying. Yes, well, I mean, we don't have to get them breakfast anymore. That's awesome. But, but, but their needs are intensifying. Their relationship with us is, is filled with more and more complexity. That is a, a pressing on from without. Your marriage is located in the middle of these things being pressed upon. I, I, I want us to see this. Because I think it's going to be a great help for you and for me. Um, your aging parents, the complex relationships that you have with your other siblings as adults, do you think they're any nicer now? <laughs> I heard someone chuckle. Right, right, right. Think of the competing demands and the sophistication of argumentation is pressing on us. Um, your financial pressures. And I know that we come from an affluent lot, but you know what, is the more you got, the more you have to worry about it. I want you to recognize that as a real weight. Uh, Think of this, think of the, um, it's not as if the world has gotten worse, though it seems like it. But in your age and my age, what is happening now? What makes it seem worse? What there is greater awareness and sensitivity and sight to the struggles and the broken. Like that's why it seems like it's amplified. It's because we're seeing it now. We have a little bit more wisdom. We say, oh My goodness, it's worse than I thought when I was in my 20s and I thought solutions were really black and white and we just need to do this and it's (laughs) solved. I wasn't like that as a 20-year-old. You know what? Um, As you guys have gotten older and I've gotten older, we know that we're able actually to control less and less. Pressing on from without. And just for fun, let's toss a pandemic in there, right? When, I'm say, when I talk about locating your marriage, what we're doing is we are placing it in the context of sin without being pressed on it. All that suffering, all that longing, all that futility, corruption, subjected to pains, that inarticulate fed-upness with, with life, Locate your marriage inside of that whirlwind, not in a vacuum. Okay, where am I going with this? Okay, because that's true, we're going to get to the second one. And I think this will start to make sense in a little bit, is um, uh, you and I only have one enemy. Uh, And uh, it's not, you know, Sherry or Susan or Bob or Jerry. Like, it's, it's Beelzebub. okay. Um, Your spouse is not your enemy. You only have one enemy, and it's not your spouse. Okay, so God, the story writer, the plan maker, the plan completer, has written your marriage to show its cracks right now. He has. It's part of the story. No part of the plan has been disrupted with your tough marriage. Not one part of the plan has been shaken or, you know, blown off course or knocked off the rail, I, I, whatever metaphor you got there for me. Your marriage was never going to commend you to God, and your marriage is never going to condemn you before God, ever. Ever. If your marriage is tough right now and you're in the bottom of that J curve, you're not getting a failing grade in Christianity or Jesus. You're not. You're not. No, this is part of the curriculum. This is part of the curriculum. This is part of that Paul's backdrop. This is, part of, this is part of the story. Um, now, you can say this, but why now? Why now? Because, dear one, you are ready for this now, and you weren't ready for it then. You're ready for it now. That's, that's tough. But you're ready for it now. Um... When you, when me, when we, when we recognize the sin and the weakness of Romans 8 is true, what it does is it normalizes the difficulty that is happening because we're locating it, aren't we? We're saying, oh, yeah, we're locating it inside of a J-curve against the backdrop of Paul, uh, Paul's Romans 8, these difficult things. Look, 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 the difficulty in your marriage didn't start in a pandemic, for a lot of us, it was a little. It was rough. It was rough. You know, in the years before 2020, there was a time when um, you said uh, whatever pet word you use, babe, hun, sweetums, schnookums, I don't. I don't know what your thing is. Don't tell me, by the way. I don't. I don't care. Um, babe, it is. We. You felt it. It is us versus world, and we are going to win. Like, you, know, you felt that. Now, seven years to 15 years later, and this, and this follows all of the data, by the way. I'm not making this up. Um, now it seems like maybe you are on different teams, question mark, No. No. You, don't, you only have one enemy. I know this sounds like a basic point, but I want you to walk into it. Is The enemy loves to grind stuff up and eat it. The scriptures call it devouring. Locate your marriage. A shift has happened in the world. I want you to see this in the last two years. Um, I've got four kids. You guys don't have four kids, right? That schooling at home... The pandemic, the increased stresses, none of us were equipped for that. Like, did you have a class at the university? It was just like, hey, just in case of a pandemic, these are the top ten things you should probably concentrate on. No, no, I didn't take, I missed that class or I slept in. No. Maybe, this is what I want you to consider. Maybe the conflict that you have is not with the other person. There is so much brokenness in this world that is pressing hard. Um, the world has shifted. Communities have shifted. Families have shifted. Businesses have shifted. Entire workflows have shifted. I want you to see, the, it's being pressed. Would you consider that maybe the enemy is not your spouse? So for many of us, when we get squeezed, you know what we do, and I do, is I live from my woundedness. My response to people is my brokenness and my woundedness. Um, we want to live out of our flourishing and for flourishing. We want to live out of life. So where do you do that? For starters, and this is only a starter pack, God never brought you guys together to be opponents. Never. If that's your posture towards each other, I'm just telling you the enemy wins. And he's used that to confuse you and me. I get it, I get it. A, a lot of us, and because I have conversations, you guys trust me and I love it. Sometimes there's just not a lot of emotional reserve left. So I get that. But where's a start? Well, maybe a start is this, is I am... I'm just going to remind myself, oh, I am not against them. They are not against me. They are not my they are not the enemy. That's locating your marriage in the mountains of brokenness pressing that presses and presses and presses. Locating your marriage and say, "Oh, that's hap- that is real." We aren't the only ones responsible for the difficulty. There is much going on, and they're not my enemy. All right. So in Romans 8, it talks about how Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers. And I'm going to give you a Jesus preview. And for those that don't know the story of Jesus, there there are spoilers here. Um, but Jesus is the preview and the trailer of the full movie. Jesus Jesus' death and resurrection is the trailer for the full movie. He's the preview. And the full movie includes your marriage. It includes you and all of your junk and brokenness, but it includes your marriage as well. Um, Many of us might feel this at some point, not all the time, but at some point. I feel tacked to this marriage, trapped to this marriage. And Tim, you don't understand. Like, there's just not a lot of hope. Like, I know you get it. Like, you think you're talking about glowing terms about everybody's going to be changed. It's going to be awesome. But, like, you don't understand. Like, it's, there's just not a lot of hope. Kind of like how Jesus is tacked on the cross. Like, hey, not coming down. I know. That's why he's the preview. Is because he does die. And that, and he rises and he's made new and that is the hope that we that's the only hope that we have <laughs> otherwise like we are wasting our time as paul says in first corinthians like we're we really we just pack it up we should not do this we are just wasting our time but if that resurrection is true that means that your marriage is wrapped up in that just as much as it's wrapped up in that backdrop of things being pressed upon. Now, I realize this. It's not going to get tidied up in a 30-minute sitcom episode, right? It's not going to get wrapped up in an an hour counseling sesh. I know that. But it's going to be wrapped up in a bigger, broader, more intense, more deep epic kind of way because the movie is bigger than your marriage and your spouse and your junk. Let's remember that, pressed without. That gives you a little charity to your marriage, doesn't it? Oh, let us consider how we are pressed from without. It's okay, it's okay to admit that. Wow, we are under a lot. And the stuff that's come out between me and you because of this sin, that's been rough. And your spouse is not your enemy. And Jesus is the preview for your marriage. Let's pray into that. Jesus, um, we have located our marriage against the backdrop of suffering. We have located our marriage in um, who's the real enemy, but most of all, preeminently, Jesus, we locate our marriage in you. And that's the last word on our marriage and ourselves. I pray this in weak belief, wanting it for my friends and myself at the same time. I pray it in your name, amen.